they have a more naturally structured um, linear movement. They connect with the world intellectually. So they have a gift for analysis, for thinking things through and being deeply reflective and being their own authority. And they might appear to a parent that they're not childlike enough. And yet when you know you have a type 4 child, you can relax and know that they are being true to themselves and their more ser serious nature. Their gift is to step back, see the bigger picture, and to see what could be improved and to put things into a a linear order of progression and to bring structure to things very naturally. So that's a, a brief overview of the four types. So welcome to this wonderful podcast. We recently did a giveaway on the Child Whisperer Facebook page. If you want to be a part of that experience, it's growing on a daily basis. Go to facebook.com forward slash the Child Whisperer. We even have uh, private groups dedicated to each of the four types. We only ask that you please first read the book so the conversation that goes on in the groups is compatible with the learning of the group members that are all advocates and students and practice that all the parents on those groups practice the child whispering parenting approach. And we did a giveaway um, the past week where we'll contest. I'm going to announce our winner. Uh, the contest was to submit a question, and if your question was selected for as the leading question for today's show, the giveaway was two copies of the Child Whisper book. And I'm happy to announce that Beth Grasstite is our winner. We selected her question out of about 40 questions that were submitted to be the question I'm leading out with today. And if you would like to have a question answered and you're not available to call in, you can always email parenting at liveyourtruth.com. So let's get going today's show with Beth's, Beth, Beth's question. Beth writes, Carol, I'm a type 3 with a secondary type 1 mom. My type 1 son is 11 years old and in 6th grade. He has had a history of not finishing his, school, his work at school. He will get behind and, of course, feel overwhelmed. We have a great relationship, though it gets strained when we speak about school. When the work isn't completed, he brings it home to complete, and he doesn't seem to have any more desire to complete it at home. I don't want to be too controlling with this, but it is my desire to help him succeed. How can I get my son to take ownership of his schoolwork while still supporting his type 1 nature? Well, Beth, I want to first acknowledge that it's your desire to help him to succeed, because that desire and intent is what leads you to asking this question, and I am grateful and really want to point that out, that that is your intent. And yet we make choices as parents that can interfere with that overall desire and intention. So let me help you see how that's happening right here. First of all, I want to point out that you said he has a history of this. So you're dealing with a long-set pattern. This isn't something new. And in the world of parenting, you kind of need to classify issues with, is it new? Is it been long-standing? Now, in this case, this falls into this is a long-standing pattern that has now become a practice. This is a lifestyle for him. This is how he is he creates a school experience. You've fallen into a rut with this, so to speak, that you have a pattern. And if you were to look at, kind of step back and say, what is how does this pattern play out? Well, it starts with him not finishing his his schoolwork. He comes home and now he has to finish it at home. Now look at yourself. What pattern have you been 
consistent in displaying in your response. What's your patterned response? Because nothing's going to change if you keep doing what you're doing. It will keep the pattern going, and it will keep getting you the results that you don't want, which is you trying to instill in him, trying to get him to do the homework, and notice that your type 3 energy will want to get this resolved. Your push forward, get it done energy will be brought into play, which is not his. It's not what he leads with, so he will not respond favorably to that. And it, resistance will even come up. And you'll just, it's like the, what I talk about in my book, Remembering Wholeness. You have a Groundhog Day effect here. You keep experiencing the same thing over and over and over. So notice that. And if you keep doing what you're doing, it won't change. So I'd suggest what would it what would it take to ask the question, even present your – it's always good to ask questions because you'll be given answers. So the question I would ask if this was my child is, what needs to happen to motivate my son to get his homework done at school? What motivator would inspire him to get it done at school? Now, we know his nature is a type 1 so he likes things to be playful. He likes to look forward to something. The type 1 nature likes to have something to look forward to. Now, he's obviously not looking forward to doing homework at home. And I think it's really reasonable when a child is 11 years old that you can have a sit-down, honest talk with them and say, this is the pattern. This is what's happening. And if you look at who's owning the pattern more, it's most likely you. You've got more energy in the ownership category. And so you've got to have a chat with him and just say, I want you to own this. This is your, you know, we're creating this together. What needs to happen to motivate you to get your schoolwork done? What could you look forward to? Something that you create that's kind of a reward, award, you know. He obviously isn't motivated to get homework done just to get homework done. Type 3 and a type 4, the other three types would, for different reasons, be motivated to do that. Type 1 children are never really motivated by getting something done. It's something that they get to receive and experience, something fun, an activity. What could he have in his world to look forward to that would motivate him to get the homework done? Because homework in and of itself is not doing the job. So... And this is to break the pattern. And so when you create a new pattern, there is some opportunity for him to start feeling some reward with getting the homework done. Because he doesn't have to do it when he gets home from school. What could he look forward to when he gets home from school to do if he gets all the homework done, at, all the schoolwork done at school? So play with that. Re, um, listen to this. Make notes from it. I've given you several steps to try, um, and I know you're going to change this. And so some tips for each of the four types in homework finishing. Our type 1 fun-loving child, finishing every task all the way through, start to finish, is not tedious. It's not what motivates them. They need to be able to, you know, connect, disconnect with their homework. If they do happen to have homework, what can they do for 15 minutes? Take a little break. Um, there's some great tips in different shows on children, type 1 children homework, but they need to be able to have some music going, maybe a little show playing in the background, a snack that they're eating, 
so that they've got multi-sensory activity going on. Our type 2 sensitive child, they might focus on details and not the bigger picture tasks. Help them plan their time. Help them plan their time. Again, they're the planners, so help initiate this natural gift they have and get planning resources they need that will support them in successful homework activities. And then our type 3 child, the determined child, they don't like work that seems pointless. Help them see an assignment that has practical value or be honest if they can't see one and just say, look, you just got to get it done or you're going to, you're going to, your grade's going to drop, you know, and quick. And, and again, they're very physical, so long-term sitting sessions are not supportive. I'd say, you know, they can sit for a good 30, 45 minutes but need to get up, get out, break it up. And then our type form or serious child you know, they need to know the why behind it. This makes sense. This is reasonable request. And sometimes just the why is because it affects your grade. They're the, they just most naturally are effective in managing homework. They hear homework. They're literal. They say that means I'm doing this work at home. And so the older they get, the more you don't have to tell them to do their homework because they um, will feel that's almost an insult to their own sensibility and their nature of being very uh that kind of interpretation and then analysis they have well yeah obviously i wouldn't have to do it at home you know it's called homework so these are the kids you want to you want to support them by saying is there anything i can do to support you in getting your homework done you've got to just know that they understand this needs to be done what support would what would give them support so thanks for that question, and thanks to everyone who submitted questions because we'll be um, resourcing those throughout future shows and, again, more questions that come in. Let's go ahead and go to our phone lines today. Uh, I have um, Heidi, who's a Type 2 mom, waiting to talk to me. Hi, Heidi. You're on the show. Hi, Carol. How are you? I'm Excited good. Where are you calling you from today, show? Heidi? I live in Pleasant Grove. Oh, great. So you're in Utah. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Now, according okay. to my um, notes from my lovely producer, Stephanie, you have six children, ages 6 to 15, and you've got a situation of motivating kids um, to develop good habits. And I understand you're in the process of reading the child whisperer. Yes, that's correct. Good. So are you still in the process of profiling your children? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I know which energy type are all of them. Okay. Um, That's good. And then, it, of course, you know you can go to thechildwhisper.com for more support to help you with that. So I want parents to know mm-hmm. we have a lovely set of 26 videos on the childwhisper.com website that will help you in your profiling experience so make sure you look those up okay okay I okay will. so what's your quick give me go ahead with your question yeah i did want to you know um thinking about how to mo- motivate them with good habits how how can i do that because you know would work with someone the other one doesn't seem to be working so to me i just think it's a good it's a good time to help them develop good habits you know, explain a little more detail. What do you mean by good habits? What are we what, okay. what are you referring to? Yes, 
you know, for the little ones, for the older, brushing their teeth, taking a bath, doing their bed, it might be easy now. But the little ones, we're working on that. And then for everyone, doing prayers, scriptures, um, homework, um, the practicing the instrument, all those type of things. We made a chart with all that, including free time and reading. But how can I Well, it sounds to me you're trying to run all six children from the same. um, This is the, initially it feels a little bit overwhelming when you have to Mm -hmm. um, break this up and say, okay, not every type of child is going to respond to the same infrastructure. And it sounds like you've incorporated the same infrastructure of supporting them based as a group, not as the individual children they are. So initially it takes a little more um, introspection and really looking more independently at your children as Mm -hmm. the unique type they are and creating that per child. So you're basically going to incorporate six infrastructures. But once they get practiced, and implemented, they start to run more effortlessly because a child now is being supported and a child is naturally motivated when given the proper support. Yes, that's right. You've got to start looking at this as what type your children are versus that they're all just children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you read yeah. the book, there will be a lot of examples given on how to do that. And as you listen to the podcast, it's full of examples of how to do what you're asking. Okay. Okay. Because I need to get more information. That's what I need. Don't, and so you've got to know if your nature is a type two, you'll get mm-hmm. bogged down in the details. And you've got to watch yourself on that. Mm-hmm. I would just start with a couple kids. Don't take on the whole task of all six children. Just who who's kind of being the most, causing you the most stress? Stress is a red flag that says these children are not being given the proper parenting support. So start mm-hmm. with one or two of the children that you're having the most issues with. Okay. Does that make sense? Don't start yeah. with the whole group of six. That's overwhelming to you. It is. For you as a type two, that's too much to take on. So Mm -hmm. just say, which two of my kids am I having the most challenge with? I'm going to start practicing this with them only. And then add a third child. Then add your fourth. See what I'm saying? Do it progressively. And and that's a better way for you to do it. You'll get overwhelmed otherwise. Yes. I am. And when you're overwhelmed, they're going to be stressed. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Sound good? Okay. Okay. Thanks for calling in. I'd love to hear back from you um, in a month or two to see how things are better for you. Okay. I'll do that. Thank you very much. Appreciate you calling in today. Thank you. Okay. So if you want to call in today, the number to call is 347-677. One nine six three, and then again, you need to press one on your phone 
so that it shows in the studio that you're looking. Oh, I've got another um, question that was emailed to me. Carol, how can parents introduce their children's teachers to the concept of honoring the energy type of each child in a classroom full of energy types when they are focused on maintaining order and a high level of structure for teaching purposes? What can we reasonably expect from teachers and how can we explain it to them? I do have in the archives a couple shows, I think at least two, where I've interviewed teachers, and you're free to listen to those. Um, They're excellent because we're hearing right from the teacher. I asked them that question, how would you suggest you introduce this book and this methodology to a teacher? So I want to refer you back to those shows in the archives. Uh, You know, this is where there's a lot of the point of power is shifting. And that's why in the last two decades you've seen a lot of growth in homeschooling and charter schools where parents don't want to be at the mercy of a teacher having all the power. They want their children as they want to be able to influence from a very positive position their child's educational experience. They want the point of power to be at the parent, not the teacher. And again, when we feel, this is a similar scenario in the Dressing Your Truth world, for those of you that are in the Dressing Your Truth community, I teach a lot in that program that the point of power when you go to a hairstylist is with the hairstylist when it should be with the customer, the, the person in the chair, the woman who says, this is what I want. And so the fact that we still are tentative to be able to speak to a teacher openly and honestly to say, this is how I'd like you to support my child, that we're tentative about that, that somehow that's their domain and we can't influence it, that's tricky because the um, that's when the system isn't working because it's um, eliminating a really key voice and a real key influence. And so, again, that's going to be different for every teacher. I can't see there's a pat approach see, because there's four types of teachers. And the one you've described of a very structured, ordered classroom would be the the byproduct of someone with a lot of type 4 energy. A type 1 teacher is very different space. And so the question to ask is, how can I successfully approach my child's teacher in a way that they'd be receptive to the Child Whisper book? Giving a book as a gift is always appropriate. And and more than anything, a teacher wants to be honored that they're doing um, the best they know how, that they're their intentions are good, that they want to be thanked and respected for that. It's a little bit of a thankless job because they do. It's a hard job. I was a teacher in the public education system years ago. And they, you just want to make sure you don't approach them with that they're not – you want to always first approach with gratitude and, and respect and then uh, trust that the conversation can be mutually supportive that – what you're learning about your child you'd like to share with them in the form of this book and hope that it would support them in their efforts to continue to be the great teacher they are. So praise and positives are always successful in that approach, but that will look different according to the teacher. But with that intention and to ask for that inspiration of how do I do this, I believe you will be given that inspiration to do that. Let's go back to our phone lines. I have Amy on the line. Hi, Amy. Hi. You're on the show. Okay, great. How are you? 
I'm good. Thanks for calling in today. What can I help you with? Well, I just I've always actually wanted to call in here and just never have, but um well, good. The first question I had. <laughs> um I have a little girl who's a four one and she's a she's a twin, first of all, too, and um she's age seven and she she started having a lot of anxiety over the common core math at school and just like yesterday during the day she started saying, I wanna just practice some math because I'm starting to feel nervous about it. And then because then just out of the blue, she just started kind of having this anxiety attack where she just started like kind of feeling sad and like, I can't, you know, I can't stop thinking about it. And like if she was going to bed and then this morning she okay. was kind of doing the same thing. And I, I went in and talked to the teacher ahead of time. And the teacher was really nice about, you know, talking her through it and helping encourage her and that kind of thing. But I just, I just felt bad for her that, you know, I could sense that imperfection that she was feeling in herself and being kind of hard on herself. Sure. Well, you're also a type 4, correct, Amy? Uh-huh. So you understand yep. her dilemma, I would I would say. I do. That she's, <laughs> she's got, um, so this is a great opportunity at age 7 to start teaching her about her nature and her tendencies. And she's not, okay. um, she's even old enough to even have you read the book, the type okay. 4 section of the book. Because if she starts to okay. understand her nature and her tendency is, to want to do something perfect from the beginning. It's okay. like, I've got to get it perfect now. And that's where that causes a high level of stress for a type 4 child when they don't understand there's a process of perfecting. That in uh-huh. the learning experience, she will learn to perfect her math skill. That to expect that of herself will be a tendency that she needs uh-huh. to recognize and go, oh, oh, I'm doing that to myself. It's unreasonable. Okay. It's unreasonable in this learning process. We don't just start something we know nothing about and do it perfectly. But to her to recognize that tendency to expect that of herself, she'll catch it. Mm-hmm. And what a okay. beautiful opportunity for you to remind yourself of that same potential because <laughs> you're now teaching yes, your child sure. and you're going, I'm sure <laughs> yes. I do this. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things I relearn all the time, I think. <laughs> right. So it's and not so, something okay. you can necessarily shut down. It just mm-hmm. sort of is there, but you can certainly learn to manage it consciously and teach your child to so that it can mm-hmm. be given a new choice to say, oh, I'm doing that again. I, I do have that tendency that it's putting mm-hmm. me in an unreasonable situation that's causing me stress, and it is unreasonable because yeah. she's learning math, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I think she'll per- and, and give her. You know, won't it be fun for you someday to look back when you have perfected this, and uh-huh. you'll remember when it was so hard. Yeah, that's true. And I think most of it is because math is actually pretty easy for her in the past. So that was one insight the teacher had: is that oh, that's one reason why she's struggling. It's hard for her now, and it's never been that way before. Okay, so it's just reached another level for her. Yeah. See, all of those giving her type fours, and they can step back and see the bigger picture of what's happening, and they their mind can work through it. It eliminates stress, and by you having that. Sharing, helping her see the bigger picture, it will eliminate mm-hmm. the stress and help her move through yeah. this with more calmness. Okay. Yeah, because I wasn't really sure what to do. I just kept telling her to, to breathe and, you know, that it's okay to, you know, to feel when, a little when bit When types fours have normal. more information that makes sense to them, they can reason with it, it is a calming effect. Mm-hmm. It's a very, okay. help me understand, because she's not, she, what her mind is doing 
in thinking about it is trying to figure it out in an effort to eliminate the stress. But she doesn't have enough information that's correct as a seven-year-old. Okay. That's where you step in and give her that context to, to help her mind um, figure this out and go, okay, I get it, that bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Very good. Yeah. Thanks for calling Thank in today. Oh, wait, I have one other question, too. I have another. Hello? Hang on. Okay, real quick. Go ahead, Amy. Okay. Well, this is my other daughter, too, her twin sister, who's two. (laughs) I just kind of wondered, um, I'm not 100% sure about her type, but I've questioned it sometimes. What what would make a type two be kind of aggressive at times? Or I'm wondering if maybe you can go Yeah. Okay, my experience, um, yeah, yeah. so most likely they're not the same type. It's rarer than identical twins. And there is mm-hmm. a really cute video on um, the 26 video library on mm-hmm. the childwhisper.com website where I interview a mom, a type 4 mom, with two twin boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure okay. you watch that. Okay. Type 2s are stressed when they feel just overwhelmed. They they need more time and they whine a lot and they're they get really cranky when okay. they're just in overwhelm. Their standards mm-hmm. set too high for them, or they feel they have to meet a standard they can't in the time given. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, they need more time. They need they, she needs a whole different. You know, she's got a twin sister. She's gonna compare herself a lot. Type two people have a tendency of comparing themselves and the conclusion of their comparison is they're less than. Very, very common. Uh-huh. They feel okay. inadequacy. You gotta watch for okay. that. They'll 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 think their nature is a weakness versus not understanding. Again, she's old enough to be given a lot more insight to who she is and her nature and and her strength. Yeah. Okay. So right. yeah, she's for she be... your questions today. My next caller is Stephanie, a type 1 mom. Hi, Stephanie, you're on the show. Hi. Good to have you. How can I help you today? Thanks. Um, I have a 5-year-old type 1 daughter, and I am finding that when I'm helping her with her homework, the little that she does have, that we tend to frustrate each other because she has an I can't attitude and as fun as I try to make it and as rewarding as I try to make it, we still end up in, both of us, almost in tears by the end of our homework <laughs> session. So how can I help how her attitude and, and mine? Um, she's five. Okay. How much homework is she dealing with? What, like, if, if she were to just sit, just get it done with what's in a reasonable amount of time that would this homework require? Only about ten minutes. It really so it's is pretty a brief. Lot. Then. It's very brief. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does she so expect she you? Lot, what do you want her to try and get it done right when she gets home? No, I find a time where you know after she has played and had some fun things to do that we can sit down together and do it together. But I, I mean, immediately before we even start, she just starts saying, "I can't do it. I can't do it." When I know she can. And I try yeah. to motivate her to do it and to give her, you know, the confidence that she needs to do it, but it's still a battle of the I can't. Okay. You know, I think you're, she's only five, and so your mm-hmm. nature is a type one as well, and you got to go, um, 
you got to play off her I can't in that moment rather than retract, you know, going against it. Don't even believe her. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, I can't? Let's make a song out of that. How many things do you believe you can't do? Well, how many things can we now turn into I can's? You see, go with that. Okay. You're, you're coming back at her. Take, join her and say, really? You know, and let's make a, let's have some fun. Let's make an I can't and an I can song or something. You know, you got to just be spontaneous. Okay. You're getting too serious okay. about the whole thing. You know, and True. the moment it gets serious, both of you are in lockdown because you're not, your nature is not about being in that serious energy. You know, right. turn on some music and do, let's do an I can't dance. Well, what would an I can dance look like? And, okay, mm-hmm. you know, let's put the timer on. Can you get, you know, 10 minutes? All you have to do is 10 minutes. If you get whatever, you know, and if you get everything done in 10 mm-hmm. minutes, this is what you have to look forward to. That certainly does sound a lot like to the fun question for me. Earlier is <laughs> the homework isn't the motivator. It's what do I have to look forward mm-hmm. to? Well, it's obviously not homework right now. Right. Okay. So, and it's pushing oh, some button in you. And there's some going oh, on for yeah. you that it's triggering. Because uh-huh. consider the possibility in your childhood, your parents did not recognize your nature, and, and their approach to you is to teach you just to buckle down and do things. Right. And you you um, accommodated them, where your daughter's going, I'm not going there and you're not going to repress me. I'm going to fight you. Mm-hmm. Subconsciously, she's yeah. not willing to go there, and you were. And it's almost like, just get your homework done. You just got to do it. <laughs> That's what right. you were taught to do. <laughs> and you did. That is correct. <laughs> and it's not working with her. And it's not fun. No. No, no it's not fun. No. It's not fun. <laughs> no. And so, okay. again, what would have supported you when you were five? Oh, what would it be? I, you know, I didn't think of it that way, but that's great. Yeah, what would supported you? How could your parents have shown up differently when you were five and six? What would have motivated you? Well, that's what your daughter needs. Okay, wonderful. I will try so, that. Thank you. Okay, great. Thanks. I've got time for another email question. A type one mom writes in. In a family of all type 4 energies, how to keep it light. Carol, what advice do you have for me as a type 1 mom of two type 4 children, ages 9 and 11, and a type 4 husband? While I love type 4 energy, and it is my secondary, I am challenged daily by becoming one of them. I want to be the light, fluttery butterfly spreading light and fun around, but instead I often find myself taking on the characteristics of a type 4 energy. It's so easy to lose my lightness around them. Great question. Um, my, I've said this for years, and I'll say it again. I think type 1 moms need a weekly date with their friends, social engagement with people. They can get out of the house, get out of their roles, go be themselves with a group, a, a one girlfriend, a couple girlfriends. Where can you go? Because they're not, and that energy then is nurtured. Because it can be judged and judged as annoying by the type 4 family members. 
because um, they don't need so much of it. And yet you need to be kind of exercising your energy, giving it um, support. And so those, if you, if you can't do it weekly, your children should be old enough now. You could, like, you know, you can do a lunch date. You can do a girls' night out. What would, you mix it up. Mix it up. Do you get out? My daughter, who's type 1 energy, she now has incorporated morning runs with friends. That's her social time. That's her, it gets several things accomplished. It gets her fitness goals accommodated. It gives her social time every morning to run with a couple women, friends. And she starts the day feeling, it gets her outside too. I love her story. When she was training for a marathon a few years back, um, she knew she wasn't motivated to go run by herself. So she knew also that her friends and her social group wasn't necessarily those that would like to run with her, weren't interested in doing 14 and, you know, 16, 18-mile runs when she got to that phase of her training. She set up different friends for different segments of her long runs. She'd meet up with one friend, run about five miles with that friend. She'd go alone for a few miles, and the next friend was positioned to meet her. I thought it was just so incredibly smart of her, and she knew she wouldn't do it otherwise. So what can you create that's an investment in your energy that maybe the family members can't always provide for you, and that will help you sustain your energy while you're with your family members and allow you to be um, – true to yourself, but you, I wouldn't recommend that it can come from your home space. You need to, where else in your world can you find that in support that you're looking for? And let's end the show with one last email question. The show has now gone to a 45-minute show. Uh, most of our, I'm grateful for all of our wonderful listeners that tune in. So many of you tune in through iTunes listen to the recorded shows, thank you so much and for your commitment to be a phenomenal parent. This, again, has come from a type one, type 1 mom. There must be a need for supporting type 1 moms right now. Says Carol, there are times when hugging, kissing, and cuddling my children is so unappealing it is almost repulsive. I will show affection, but it sometimes feels forced. For example, I'll be hugging my 11-year-old type 2 son at bedtime, and while he wants a Really long hug. I can't wait to get out of it. What issue is at play here? How can I open myself up physically towards my children, or is this feeling normal? I'm a type 1 mom. You know, a lot of times when we weren't given enough affection as children, we have a resistance and almost a, like you said, a repulsion to it. Or if we were touched in negative ways, if there's any history of abuse of any kind, sexual, physical, um, whatever the history is in your childhood, it sets us up to have this aversion or this, what I call a reversal energy running, where it feels intrusive, it can feel threatening, it can feel wrong, it can feel negative. And so for you to get to do, investing yourself in some inner child healing, which you can find um, a lot of support for that at caroltuttle.com, through my book, Remembering Wholeness, through the Carol Tuttle Healing Center. Just go to caroltuttle.com. You'll find resources on that website. But there's a little girl in there that feels threatened by the hugs. What's going on with that? That's about your history and that energy that's still playing out for you. You can be free of that old energy, be in the now, and be your light, happy self that is able to give the affection that your children 
are seeking from you in a healthy way, but that that's about something that's not been healed in you. It's something from the past. So check out those resources. What is that little girl believing about physical affection, the little girl in you? She's got a belief running, and you need to help heal that child self. Also, the Carol blog is a great resource. I have a lot of mini healing sessions there. Learn to heal your inner child. It's one of the greatest things I've done in my role as a parent to, to help me be free to be a healthy parent is to heal my inner child. So thanks for everybody's uh, calls today and email questions. It's been great to be back on the air again. I appreciate everybody's um, commitment to parenting. It's amazing. Uh, Go to the childwhisper.com website where you will find the Child Whisper blog. And last week's blog post was Boomerang Children, How to Maximize This Opportunity for Both of You. And if you don't know what that means, boomerang children are when children come back and live with you. And I look at that in the blog post of, you know, sometimes it's it's not an unfavorable situation or something that shouldn't happen, but it can turn into that if not managed with insight and consciousness. So check out the Child Whisper blog. A lot of great resources and blog posts there. Also the Child Whisper Facebook page. And next week I'll be back on air uh, next week's podcast. So tune in and create a wonderful week with your amazing family because you are a creator. Bless you, and I'll talk to you again soon.